know they very much appreciate all your prayers. Um, there we go. Yeah, so thank you for, for praying. Uh, I know they, they, next week, I know they're going to share very quickly next week about what's gone on, and then probably a few weeks later they'll give, a proper, give them a proper time to, to share how, they, uh, how they've got on. But I know God's been using them, and it's been quite tough, I think, at times, and quite exhausting, but they're really quite uh, excited to, to have been on this trip and been used by the Lord. Amen. Right. I want to start this morning. I just... Before I begin, though, before I bring, bring the, the sermon, I just want to get a couple of things off my chest this morning, if that's okay. Um, see, when I, I don't know, you look at Terry there, do you not think, when you look at Terry, just that is the perfect specimen of a human being ever? Like you think, just look at that, just look at those lovely good looks, that sculptured body, man, you think when, when God created Adam, he must have looked exactly like Terry there. Yeah. yeah, very, very handsome, very handsome. So I, j- I just had to tell you that today. And saying oh, a bit, a little bit more. So, Pete, I'm sorry to say this, but what did you not shower this morning? You really stink. You really smell. Has anyone else noticed this? Have you been cycling this morning? There's no, there's no yeah, that's why it's one of the sinners. Okay, I'll be a little bit silly there. Can anyone tell me what I've just been doing? What have, I, okay. what, have I, what have I just said there? Sorry? Flattery. Not quite, not flattery. Not to Pete anyway. Certainly to Terry. What have I said? A couple of things that I've said. Um, I was lying, wasn't I? Now, we know we look at Terry and we think, yeah, he is quite a good-looking man. And I could, but he's probably not the perfect specimen of a human being. Um, and obviously, Pete, you don't smell at all. I think you smell quite nice. Um, don't worry, I did, did warn them that I was going to pick on them at the beginning, so hopefully I won't be offended. Um, no, but I, um, so I was saying some lies, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, is lies and, what, and how the enemy wants to use them against us. Uh, and one thing I just want to start off to sort of put out there, I'm sure you guys, if you've been following the news and seeing what's been happening in the world these last few weeks, last few months, uh, there's a lot of stuff been going on. And, <clears throat> and I want to first of all want to say it's not why I'm preaching about this subject, because I know in the media you can hear a lot of things and depending on which way you lean politically and what you read and where you read it from is you'll hear lots of different things that go on and you hear these sort of phrases like uh, alternative facts or post-truth and stuff like that. And um, It's not why I want to talk about lies this morning, it just happens to be a coincidence. But one thing I would uh, encourage you as a church is really is not to get too worried about what goes on in the world because it says in his word um, that God has got um, everything, so God's got the world in his hands, and everything that happens is under God's control. Anything um, who bends, who gets elected, and what they do, it's all in God's hands. And the only thing we can really do as Christians is if we're worried about it, is pray. As it encourages us in 2 Timothy to pray for our leaders. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there to say I'm not, that's not why I'm preaching this sermon this morning. But I want to talk about lies and how our enemy um, wants to use them to draw us away from God. You see, as Christians, we have to appreciate that we have an enemy. And our enemy is Satan, or another name is the devil, um, and the Bible's got lots of different names for him. I'm sure if you read it, you'll read read about them. But I'm only going to refer to him as Satan or the devil this morning. And we have to realise that he is an enemy of God, and he hates God, and he hates everything to do with God. And his aim in his purpose is to come and bring destruction 
to all of God's creation and to bring destruction and death to the world and ruin everything that God has tried to do. And that's um, his purpose, is for us uh, as humans, he wants to come and grab us and draw us into death and draw us far away from God as possible. Uh, it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, um, you don't have to turn with me, I'll just read it out. It says this, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now who here has seen planet Earth? And uh, I, must, I haven't seen it, but I did hear about it. But you see these nature programs, and you see what happens when you get a hungry lion, and it, it goes for the gazelle, and it gets them. And once it's got them, it just tears into it, and they all swarm, or all the other lions swarm around, and they, they look to devour this as quickly as possible, and just um, like that. And it's quite a, a gruesome thing to watch. But that's how the enemy, the devil, wants to try and, uh, what it's always looking to do with people, is looking to grab them, and draw them away from God, and devour them, and, spit and spit, um, chew them up, and spit them out. And <clears throat> the other thing, one thing we have to know about the devil as well, is that he's a liar. And everything about him um, is corrupt and wicked and evil. And he will look to do whatever he can to draw, um, to uh, further his purposes. And one of the main ways he does this is through lying. Um, if you turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 8, just going to read a verse from this chapter. It says in John's uh, chapter 8, verse 44, For you are children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And she said, whatever the devil says and whatever he does, it's a lie. And you can see that he's the complete and utter opposite to Jesus. And that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus says, I'm the truth. And the truth comes and sets you free. And you see the devil, he's all about lying and trying to, cap, trying to get you, trying to devour you, trying to bound you up. Um, trying to bring you down and draw you away and bring you to a place where it's far away from God. And not good. And you look at what Jesus comes to bring. He comes to bring hope, comes to bring life, comes to bring love, comes to bring peace, comes to bring joy to us. And it's completely opposite of what the devil wants to do with us. And the thing about lies is that they can so easily destroy, can't they? And I'm sure uh, some of you, if you've, uh, well, I'm sure all of us have had points in our life where someone's lied about us or lied to us about what we're like. And you think probably how hurtful that is and how much that can um, corrupt your life and lead you not to the way that God sees you, but thinking, um, and get you thinking about yourself, the way devil wants, the devil wants to see you. And it can so easily bring death and destruction. And when we have lives that are built on lives, we find that they are far away from what Jesus wants for our lives, that peace, that joy. And we find that when we start listening to lies, and believe in them. Our lives go away that's they said the complete opposite to what Jesus offers. Satan wants for us as Christians, I said, to break our relationship with God. He wants to come and um, destroy it. And said he hates everything to do with God, with, with God. And it's not that he hates you personally, but he hates the fact that, God, that you know God. 
and that um, you know that God loves you and you want to have that friendship and relationship with God and he wants to try and break that up in whatever way possible he can and draw you and lead you away from God. Um, I said he really does use lies for this purpose. It's something we have to be really careful of as Christians about what we listen to Um, because it's very easy to get caught up in them, isn't it? Because they sound so good. And one of the reasons why I'm preaching this sermon this morning is something that God has uh, been taking me through. Uh, and now you know that me, Pat and Simon, uh, God has given us the responsibility of leading this church together. And I don't know about you, but when you ever work with people, I'm not sure what it's like at your work, in your workplace, with your boss, or maybe even with your, your, your married partner, when you have to work with somebody, you can lead to frustrations, can't it? Because you want to do one thing a certain way and they want to do things a different way. Uh, and of course, this is what's happened between me, Pat, and Simon. Uh, don't worry, I'm sure they feel exactly the same about me at points and stuff. So don't worry, um, it's not just, not just me. But we, can get, we basically get frustrated with each other at times. It's because one of us will do something, and the other two or the other person will think, why did they do that? What are they trying to do? And you start to realize, you start to get these lies um, come to your head about the reasons why they do certain things. And, if, and then your sort of pride gets puffed up a bit and your um, sensibilities get, get ruffled and you start to feel a little bit offended and a bit upset with them and get angry with them. Um, but the thing, I, the thing we found is that while this can happen, is that one, when we get together and we have uh, an honest conversation with each other, what we find, this is what I love about working with Pat and Simon, is that when we get together and we chat, we find, uh, at the end of the conversation... I'm sitting there thinking, yes, amen, I'm really with you with that, Pat, I'm really with you with this, Simon, because really we share the same heart. Um, and um, while we see things differently sometimes, we do things differently, our heart is the same. We want to take this church forward, we want to see God glorified in it, we want to see everybody go on, we want to see more people come in. And that's our heart, and I love it that it's saying we, we're having to learn, uh, and our learning is that we've not got to listen to the lies, because the devil... Really, as I said, he wants to destroy the things of God. And one of the easiest ways to do it in a church is to sow discord between me, Pat, and Simon, and, and, and John. And of course, if he does that, um, it's going to really disrupt the church. And we're not going to be able to bring the glory to God that he wants. And we're not going to have to take this church forward if we're all the time arguing with each other and getting upset and offended. And so it's something that we're having to learn, not to listen to uh, thoughts that come into our head sometimes, but to get together and pray and just share our hearts and be honest with one another. So I want to look into the, um, the Bible at some of the examples of where Satan uses lies to, um, to attack the people of God. So first of all, I want to go right to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. And just to set the scene here, God has created the heavens and the earth. He's created all the animals, and he's created uh, Adam and Eve, and everything is perfect. That Adam and Eve can go where they want. They've got no problems at all. There's no sin. Life is, is great for them. It's fantastic. They get to walk with God. But there's one thing that God asked them not to do, and that was to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said that to them quite clearly. He said, don't do that. And of course, if we pick it up in chapter 3, verse 1, uh, the serpent comes along. Now, a serpent in this is, is Satan in disguise, come to try and trick Adam and Eve. So verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, 
Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So what does he do straight away? He comes and lies to them. And so gets them to try and question God. To say, did God really say that? Did he really? He can't have been serious when he said that. So he said he's lying to them straight away. Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So there you go, that's God's word for them, that's God's truth. Don't eat this tree, don't touch it, don't go to near it, or you will die. And what does the the serpent do straight away? You won't die, the the serpent replied. There you go, contradicting God. Telling a lie outright to Adam and Eve there, that you won't die if you eat that fruit. God's having you on. God doesn't know what he's talking about, or what God said is not really true, is it? You won't die. He goes on. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. He's trying to say, look, you eat this, you'll be like God. You'll be exactly like him, and you'll know all the things that God does, and won't it be great when you eat it? What happens? What does Eve do? She gets deceived by by the Satan there. And it says in verse 6, The woman was convinced... She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruits looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she she had believed the lies Satan had told her instead of what God had said. um, So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So they went against God. And disobeyed him. And in that moment, sin entered mankind and brought that big barrier between them and God. And instantly, as soon as they had done that, it said that they realised they were nakedness. It revealed um, what they were like. And it revealed the sin that had entered into them. And it says, um, and when, they, when God came to talk to them, it said they hid from him. They were ashamed to be before God. And you see that the devil's aim there was to try to... Because God had his creation that was perfect... And Satan came in to try and to destroy it. And he managed to um, deceive Adam and Eve to eat the fruit. And they did. And they destroyed it. And they brought that destruction there to what God had made perfect. And led man to sin. Let's, let's move on. Let's jump right ahead to Matthew chapter 4. And exactly the, the same thing. that um, Satan comes to attack. This time, instead of Adam and Eve, it's, it's Jesus. Now see, Jesus was sent by God as God's son in order to come uh, as part of God's plan to, um, to come to the cross, to die in our place, and so that we could have that connection with God again, just like Adam and Eve had before they ate the fruit. That's what God wanted. That's why he sent Jesus, to come and to rectify the mistake of Adam. And this is right at the start of Jesus' time when he's, um, before his ministry starts, uh, in chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be, tempted there by the, um, to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, 
if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. You see, Jesus was attacked there three times, like um, Eve was in the Garden of Eden. She, the devil came and said three lies to him. But you realise that Jesus um, stands against him and he, stand, he withstands all the attacks of the devil. And Jesus responds each time by bringing God's truth into the situation, bringing the truth into the lie that the devil is, is telling him. So let's look at the first one. Um, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I.e., when you're the son of God, you, can do, you don't need God. You're hungry right now. If you just do this in your own power, you can take that away. You can change the situation. And that's what the devil sometimes tries to tell us in there. That you don't need God in your situation. You can do it all by yourself, can't you? You can do it in your own strength. You don't need anyone else's help. You don't need anyone don't need to tell anyone about it. You don't need anyone to pray for you. Don't worry, you've got it all in hand. You can do it all. God doesn't want that for our life. He doesn't want us to come and try and do it all on ourselves. He wants us to come to him and to live in his strength. And live... Um, sorry. Live, not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God wants us to build our life upon him and his word and his truth. Now, it's interesting that... Right after Jesus is tempted, he starts his ministry and he does this great big sermon on the mount. And he, in it, he share, talks about the kingdom of God and what's it like. And he teaches about how, um, sorry, ties about how Christians should live. And right at the end of this massive long sermon that goes on for three chapters, he tells them a story, his parable. And it's the parable of the wise and the foolish man. And how the wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the storms come and the winds come and the floods come, we find that that house stands firm in the storm. But the foolish man, he built his house upon the sand. And of course, when the rains come and the storms come and the winds come, what happens to the house? Bang, it falls flat. Jesus wants us to come and build our life upon him and his truth, not our strength and not what we can do, but what he can do. Um, and this, uh, <coughs> this uh, <coughs> scripture about not living by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, that's quite dear to my heart. Because um, I know Pat and Simon are off on a mission trip to India. Uh, well, many, many years ago, uh, when I was uh, about 19, I think I went on a, we went on a mission trip to uh, Thailand. I think Hannah came and Pete, Pete was there as well. And we um, were about three weeks out in Thailand, and it got to one point, about, about two-thirds of the way through, and we were up in this mountain uh, village, and I just had enough. I got fed up with the people there. I got fed up with eating plain rice every day. I got fed up with the cold showers.
go? Good. Okay, hopefully we'll be all right now. Yeah, so I just had enough, and I was just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I remember it was a Sunday morning, everyone else had gone up to the church in the village, and I just had, I just hang back. I went back to my, uh, the dorm where I was staying, which is just a bit of mat on the floor, and I just got my Bible, and I just opened it, and I opened it all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 8, which is where this comes directly from. And it's God reminding the Israelites about why he took them um, into the wilderness and why he tested them. It was, it was, he says this, um, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you or your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And certainly it was quite true when I really felt that plain rice, I'd had enough of it. Um, but it really, God just spoke to me. Honestly, I just opened my Bible and I read that verse and I just um, was really moved by God. And after that I was, I was changed because God's truth had come into my life and realised that um, while it was difficult, God was able to see me through. And God, it was all part of God's plan and God's testing of me. And I remember when I went up and after that I was completely fine. I could handle the rest of the trip, no worries. So going back to Matthew chapter 4, to this second attack that the devil gives to Jesus, where he, he does something. He quotes God's scriptures to Jesus. You notice that? He says, look, it says in your word, this is what's going to happen. If you fall off, angels will come and protect you. It's what it says in your word. He realize what he's doing there is twisting the scriptures. And it's something that we, can, um, we have to be very wary of as Christians. These, these false truths, these things that sound all right, but actually they're not. And it's something, if you read the, um, the letters of Paul to the churches, he keeps, and in lots of them, he keeps talking about being aware of false prophets and false teachings in the church. And it's something you guys need to be doing to us preachers. You need to be holding us to account. If, if we're not perfect, we might say something's a bit wrong. And you might, um, might think, oh, that doesn't sound quite right. I don't recommend you stand up in the middle of the meeting and say, no, you're wrong, get off. But no, maybe come to us afterwards and say, I don't really understand what you said there, Mark, or, or whoever's speaking, and chat through us, because maybe we've got it wrong. But it's something we want to be careful of, because Satan does love to twist God's word and made it um, for his purposes instead of God's purposes. Um, and again, if other thing we have to be careful of is when we, have, um, we look for advice and we get lots of people's good, um, good ideas and good um, advice they might give us. But what God's looking, what we need to be careful of is not... What's, what sounds good? We want to be looking at what sounds godly. What's God saying to us? What's God saying in the situation? Not what we think um, just sounds like a good idea. Um, and the key to this is just spending time with God, seeking him, reading his word. Because you find that if you think that's oh, some really good advice and you read uh, somewhere in, in the Bible that you think that oh, doesn't, doesn't quite match up. Thought, well, maybe, maybe God's word. Um, you need to reevaluate that advice and see whether it's from God or whether it's from uh, not from God. I encourage you guys just to spend time, read his word. you find out all the promises that he has for us. And don't let people come and try and twist it and bring, draw, to draw, in order to draw us away from God. Because Jesus responds when the devil does that. He says, no. So he says, you must not test the Lord your God. And he says, get away from me. I'm not going to listen to your lies. Now this third um, attack from the devil, Satan comes and offers him the well. He says, look, 
you can have all of this, it all belongs to me, you can have it all, all you've got to do is just come and worship me. Just that one little thing and it's all yours. And the first thing to know is that the devil has to complete and has to lie. The world doesn't belong to the devil. He might be in charge of it and in control of it for a time, but it belongs to God. And God's in ultimate authority over it. So it was never his to give away. But we see that Satan comes and offers us, uh, wants to come and sometimes offer us the world. And it sounds so great. We sing this, uh, this old kid's song. It says, I met Jesus at the crossroads, where the two ways meet. Satan, he was standing there and he said, come this way, lots and lots of things I will offer you today. That's right, isn't that? Treasures I will offer you today. But I said, no, there's Jesus here, see what he offers me. Down here my sins forgiven, up there my home in heaven. And that's what Satan can sometimes do to us. He comes and offers us treasures to say, look, come, come, do you need need God? Come down this way, come here and you'll get you'll get these treasures. I know we, we, I'm sure you've seen people that's happened to where something's been offered to them. Um, you think it's probably not of God. And they've gone down that way and you've seen they've just gone away from God. Maybe slowly at first, but just, je- just gently after a while they just drift away from God because they're not following after God. Because what does Jesus say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And we have to, he wants us to come and not to go for the treasures, but to come and find him. Um, it's one of the things I had to learn very early on in my Christian life was about this seeking God. Now, when I was a young man, well before I met Alice, it was my heart's desire to have a girlfriend and eventually get married. And, um, and I can tell you, I won't tell you any stories, but there are lots of times I made a fool of myself trying to uh, get a girlfriend. But there was this one time where <laughs> there was this one time where there was a girl that was interested in me, but. I knew um, that it wasn't right that I shouldn't be dated. She wasn't a Christian and she wasn't really interested. And I had the opportunity to go out with her. And I know my dad sat me down and had a big, big, uh, big word with me about it. And I had to sort of wrestle with God a bit about it. But I came to this place to say, no, I, I wanted God more than I wanted a girlfriend. And so I, um, I had to sort of stop seeing her and, and breaking it up. Um, which I don't think I handled it very badly. I think, I think I probably upset her quite a bit. She didn't really understand why I was doing it. But I'm so pleased I did, because I wouldn't be standing here if I'd continued down that path. I don't know what would have happened to me, but I know that um, I certainly wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have met Alice. And I certainly found, because I know that once I stopped trying to find a girlfriend and just started to seek after God, uh, it was about a couple of years later that Alice came along. And uh, it's been a blessing ever since. Um, you see, Satan's promises are false. Um, and that whatever he offers us, we realise that it's... it's it might sound good, it might be good for a while, but eventually we'll find that it's not. It's death, hidden in disguise. Where, as I said, Jesus is the opposite to the devil. What he offers is complete and utter truth. Um, and we can hold on to that. So, after this temptation of Jesus, we see that Jesus, he, he resists the devil and he stands firm. And you notice how... Where Adam and Eve completely failed when they came and were tempted by Satan, Jesus stood firm. And I'm so thankful for, that, for him for doing that, because if he had given in, none of us would be standing here right now. Because God's plan wouldn't have happened, because Jesus couldn't have been the sinless lamb upon the throne, so on the cross. Um, he wouldn't have been able to die. That, that um, connection to God wouldn't have been able to be remade. and We wouldn't be able to know God this morning like the way we do. So I'm so thankful that Jesus resisted and stood firm and that he went to that cross and died for us. So we as Christians need to 
be on guard for the lies that the devil will seek to, to sow in our lives. And as I said before, we can know how destructive lies can be, and just how one little lie can cause such a, a great big problem. In Galatians, Paul mentions about how a little yeast can just get into the dough and spread through it and completely ruin it. Now, I'm not really a baker, but I assure you, obviously, yeast makes the dough rise, doesn't it? Um, and I think, obviously, the Israelites would like, they'd like their flat bread. But if you put a little bit of yeast in a bit of dough, it will spread through and rise the whole thing. And that's like a little line. It gets into our life and it starts to grow. And when, it, when we let it come in and grow in us, it can spread and cause great, such destruction. A devil will say anything in order to try and draw us away from God and to try and spread discord and destruction and death in our lives. Um, I'm sure you've all got examples of where you know that's happened. Things that he said about you, or people have said, you know, it's not of God. Like maybe you're not very good enough. Or maybe um, you're ugly when you're not. Or maybe that you need to earn lots of money to be happy or to be safe. Or maybe, um, I don't know what it is. There's lots of different things. The devil said he'll say anything to you to try to get you to come away from God. But we don't. We need to... Um, and it's so easy for us to believe him, isn't it? Because it sounds so plausible, what he says. It sounds, makes sense sometimes. He has such good logic. Like, I really... Because um, ah, I know when you um, argue with some people, they, they can come up with really, really good arguments. And they can really sort of twist the argument around to make it sound that they're right. That's what the devil... You realize he's very clever. And he knows what he's doing. He's like the world's best lawyer. They can make, you, make it seem like anything's the truth when it's not. We have to stand firm. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, when Paul writes to this church, um, he talks about this last chapter, or last half of the chapter, talks about spiritual warfare and about how we are fighting not against flesh and blood, um, but against um, the devil and the authorities of the unseen world. Now, I'm not going to go into great depths about the armour of God. I think that's a whole other sermon in itself. But the thing he says in verse 14... Um, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth that's the first thing he tells the first bit of armour you need to put on to battle the devil is the belt of truth now Paul would have been talking about a Roman soldier and I'm sure if you remember um, way back to your history lessons at school about the Roman soldier and they had their shield and their sword and their everything but the key to all of it was the belt it's the thing they put on first because what the belt does is it holds the whole armour together. It, makes every, it connects everything together. Without the belt, the soldier would be running around trying to hold everything up. Just like, if I was to lose my belt, my trousers might fall down. Um, but so you realise the, so, the belt of truth is so key because it holds... Um, when we hold on to that, it holds, our, um, it holds things together. It holds all the truths, uh, holds the things that Jesus says uh, uh, to us together. And it allows us... But the first thing we need to in order to stand firm against the attacks of the devil. And when we believe the truth of Jesus, it builds, because what the truth does is it builds trust, doesn't it? And when um, you know someone's honest with you, you can build a trust and a relationship with them. And you find that um, when you try to build a, a relationship with somebody and it's built on lies, what happens when a lie gets exposed? the whole relationship starts to break down, doesn't it? You've got to think about, I was thinking, it's like a wall. If you build a wall with really good, solid bricks, it's going to stand firm. But if you build a wall with like really shoddy, uh, falling apart bricks, you just, all you've got to do is a couple to crumble and the whole wall will start to fall down. And we find that in Jesus, we're able to trust him because he's complete and utter truth. 
And all the things that he tells us is, is the truth. And we can put our trust in Jesus. We know that as we build our life upon him and what he said to us, that we're not going to be let down and our wall is not going to fall down. Our lives aren't going to crumble. And we can build that trust. Um, I want to read to you two, uh, from Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 uh, onwards. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth you were taught. You will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For Christ lives in all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are are complete for your union with Christ, who is the head of every ruler and authority. The key to us is to keep going with God. Keep going when it's difficult. Keep going when it's easy. Keep going and putting... Um, and just keep building um, on Jesus, on, that, on his truth. And as we do that, find, we'll find our roots go into him. And we're able to stand firm against all the attacks of the devil and the things that happen, all the things that happen to us in life. I mean, it's such a great testimony last week, Christine, where you stood up and shared about what a, quite a dramatic point in your life of your fiancé having a stroke, and you're able to stand up here and rejoice. Um, not for what's happened, but rejoice because the Lord's with you. And that's, um, that's so great to hear, Christine. Because you're able, only able to do that because you built your life upon Jesus and his truths and not on the lies of the devil. So keep going with God. Keep going. Let your roots go down into him. And you'll find that when you start to hear these lies, you'll be able to start to spot them and to reject them and turn them away. Now, one thing I also want to mention, I've been talking a lot this morning about... Um, things that come on from outside, from the, the enemy and from God. But we also, as Christians, have to be careful with our words and our mouth and what we say. It's because we can just as um, easily, but normally by accident, sometimes say things that aren't quite true or say things that can be very hurtful. Um, in James chapter 3, it's just, it spends the whole chapter talking about the tongue and about how it is this, this one little muscle that it can bring so much destruction and how one minute you can be praising God and next minute you can be cursing man with your tongue. And we as Christians have to be careful and wary of, of what we say and the words um, that we say. <clears throat> and I mean, I don't think we have... We, I'll say this. We as a church don't have a problem with people lying, I don't think. I think we, we, me, Pat and Simon, have never come across particularly the people lying and gossiping about each other. But it doesn't mean that we, we, we can't be careful about it. Because what we should be doing with each other is building, is being honest with each other in order that we can build each other up in love and in the truth of Christ. And it encourages us many times in the Bible to be honest with one another. <clears throat> but the thing we have to be is when we're honest, we have to say, we have to say it in love. Because one thing we'll know is that if we, say tr- if we speak truth without love, that can be just as hurtful as lies, can't it? I'm sure people have been truthful to you in the past, um, and it's really hurt you. And it's a difficult thing to be honest sometimes with people, um, but the Bible encourages us to do it, and we have to realise that God doesn't lie. And so as Christians, we, should, we shouldn't be lying. We should be honest with each other, but doing it in love and doing, um, and doing it so that we can build one another up, just like 
I, I picked on Pete uh, this, earlier on about him smelling. Now, as I said, he doesn't smell. But if he did, and I was to stand at the front and publicly tell, everybody, tell everyone that he smelled, how, hurt, how hurtful would Pete be? He'd probably, probably want to come beat me up after the meeting. Probably not want to talk to me. But that's not what Jesus is about. But you just have to look at the example of Jesus, how he deals with people in the Bible, in the Gospels. Is that you realise that Jesus never lied to anybody at all. At the same time, though, he never sugarcoated anything, pretended something was okay when it wasn't. But he dealt with people in the truth, but in so much love. And that when we have to um, deal with each other, and we have, to, we have to just look at Jesus as our example of how to do it, with just almost so much love and so much care and compassion, people could take it from Jesus because they know, they could see that he cared. They could see that he loved them. And I must admit, it's one thing that God has been showing me, revealing to me, that sometimes I can be quite honest um, in my thinking sometimes, in what I say as well. But sometimes I don't always say it in love. And it can come across as quite harsh and quite brutal. And, I, and the Lord's sort of been showing me that really that's not what he's about. And I don't mean to, don't mean to be it sometimes. It just, well, my natural self takes over sometimes. And, and I know that God wants me to speak more in love and not to... Not to say shy away from the truth, but to make sure I'm saying it, um, not, to, not to just try and get out there and be uh, a strong person, but to say it in, in the love that he has for people. So be careful about what we say and how we say it to people. So I want to finish this morning by giving you, sharing one more scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 to 19. Um, turn to it. And uh, in, in this chapter, uh, the writer is talking about God's promise to Abraham, how he said to Abraham that I will bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And this is God's promise. And we know what happened to Abraham. He, um, he believed that truth, but then he um, got, <coughs> forgot or, or let it, didn't hold on to it and tried to sort it out himself. And that ended up in a mess. But we realise that God had promised Abraham that he was going to bless him and multiply his descendants. Even when he was 100 years old and didn't have any children, God um, had said that this is truth, and we know that it's going to happen. It's what God did. And it says in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 18 to 19, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. You see, God um, and Jesus are the truth this morning. They say something, we know we can hold on to it, because if he said it, it's not a lie. Like I know, um, and I've shared this to you in the past, um, that when Alice was pregnant with Alyssa and there were complications and God clearly, um, quite clearly said to me don't worry, everything's going to be fine I know I had to hold on to that and even when it seemed like it wasn't going to be fine I know I could rest in that because God had said it and it was true and it came and she was absolutely fine and she's been fine so we have to, as a church and as, as Christians believe God's truth this morning God, believe what he has said not the lies of the devil. So he will try and attack us any way he can and try and sow in us anything to try to distract us and draw us away from God. But the only thing in our, in our Christian world that we can build on is God. 
and build on the, what comes from his mouth, what he has written in his scriptures, what we know to be true. It's the only thing we can trust. And I love that phrase uh, in verse 19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We know that wherever we're up to, whatever we're going through, we can hold on like a ship in a big storm that's got the anchor and the ship can stand firm and not be washed away. We know that our trust in Jesus will hold us. Um, we will, yeah, we'll hold, this trustworthy anchor will hold on to our souls. And then we can enter into his inner sanction and we can come into the fullness and all the promises of God by entering into his presence, into his inner sanctuary. This morning, I just want to encourage you guys to believe the truth of Jesus this morning. Don't listen to the lies that, that the devil would love to sow in your life. And build your life upon Christ this morning. Let's pray.